morning <clears throat> to each of you. Uh, the text this morning is John 1, uh, the first few verses and verse 14. And uh, the uh, verses are not on the whiteboard, that is not the verse. Um, so in the beginning uh, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, I'm not sure how close I am in that, I just quoted it. Uh, the same was in the beginning with God. Uh, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, you know, I need to say right here in the beginning that I'm going to try to talk about uh, something that in many ways is uh, impossible to explain, that God became a baby, the God who existed from eternity. I hope you can appreciate the impossibility of explaining that. Uh, came to earth at a specific time and place. Now, how is this possible? Well, it's a miracle. It's a mystery. So, this is uh, December 18, and it's the Christmas season, and it's the time that we remember specifically that God became a baby. And uh, <clears throat> I chose... Of those words, uh, in part, in order to be shocking, that God became a baby. So that's the mystery and the heart to explain truth that the Bible presents. So John 1 tells us who Jesus is in relation to God the Father, the world, and humans, and we have we have these three ideas in these verses. So we have the statements that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was the same person was in the beginning with God. This, this uh, I should say this too, this, this is, uh, I suppose, what you could call a doctrinal sermon, and uh, there are specific things that I want to say, and uh, I have a reason to say them. And they, they relate, the statements relate to doctrinal issues concerning who Christ is, the person of Christ. So, the Word, the idea of the Word, the Word in the beginning was the Word. Uh, the Word, Word. The Word, capital W, Word, means... Uh, the expression or revelation, and it's the Word of God.
God, the expression or revelation of God. So scripture is the written word of God. And Jesus is the living, uh, physically present word of God. The physical expression, revelation of God. So as the word, Jesus reveals the Father. He makes the Father known. He expresses who God is. Uh, Not just with words, but in a person. In John 1, uh, word, capital W, is used as a personal name for Jesus. And this word existed from from eternity. So we have this statement, in the beginning was the word. Now, I I have personally been um, maybe confused of what beginning is it talking about? And it's talking about creation, I believe, the same as Genesis 1, 1 does. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So I believe the beginning refers to creation. And the most accurate translation it would be in the beginning... Before there was any beginning, the Word had been. Uh, at creation, the Word had already been. So in the beginning was the Word, tells us that already when God created the heaven and the earth, the Word was, or the Word existed. The Word had existed with God from eternity prior to creation. So I'll I'll tell you this story about myself. Um, uh, I don't know, I think I might have been something like 12 or 13 years old. I was disking back behind John Allen's house. There was a three-acre field back there. And I, I'm not sure why I did this or what, what I was... What was going on for me, I don't know. But I decided to stop disking. And uh, so I stopped disking, stopped the tractor, and I got off. And I, I was at the end of the field, and I laid down. And I was looking up at the sky, and I, it was, it, there were clouds floating around. And uh, I'm not sure what all I was thinking about, but after a little bit, I started thinking about uh, eternity. What is eternity? <clears throat> and I, I, I assure you, I wasn't always this heavenly-minded, okay? But for some reason, I was that day. So I was thinking about eternity and what is eternity, and I, I was I was trying to think my way back to, uh, I guess, the beginning. 
and I don't know, I got back to creation, you know, and I'm trying to get, I was trying to understand how, how God could be eternal. But at some point, I realized that my mind could not go any further back, and so I, I consciously thought, I can still see myself, I thought, um, I don't think I don't think I can do this. So I'm going to try. I'm going to try the future. So I started, you know. And in those days, uh, honestly, I could not get to the year 2000. I couldn't think my way to 2000. I had. I just had no. I had no way to imagine what 2000 might be, but I, I was trying to. And then I realized, well, I can't get into the future either. I, I don't know how to think about eternity on either end. So I, I gave up. I did. I gave up and finished history. Uh, so how, how do we think about from eternity... God has been, and we, we don't know how. It's a mystery. So the next thing we see here is that the Word existed with God. The Word was with God, and this does not mean the Word was physically, just physically present with God. It's talking about communion with fellowship with, relationship with, that the Word existed in harmony, in relationship with God. We have this idea of fellowship, communion with, relationship with, harmony, in a number of places in Scripture, a few, Genesis 1.26, where God said, let us make man in our, our image according to our likeness. And John 1.30, uh, I and the Father are one. Uh, actually, I think I have the record drawn there. Maybe 17.30. In John 17, where Jesus says, And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was or before the world was created, existed. In John, 1 John 1, 2, the word of life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. It's the same idea of the word Christ with God the Father from eternity. So the Word existed with God in harmony with, in fellowship with, in relationship with. And in coming to earth, uh, Jesus has offered to us, to people, invited us into this same kind of relationship with Christ and with the Father that He from eternity had with God. And then we have the statement, the Word was God. 
This is a statement of the character of the Word, the character of Christ, equality with God, oneness of nature, uh, a word that is, has been used often throughout history is of the same essence, which I don't know if that means anything to us or not, but the same nature. See, our words kind of fail us. It's hard to talk about. The word is whoever, whatever God is. And this is true of the word from eternity. Like the word did not become that at some point or lose that at some point. And then we have this idea of the word in relation to creation and all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. So the Word was with God at creation. Already when God created the heaven and the earth, the Word was with God. Uh, Present with God. And then we see that that the word Jesus is the um, agent through him, through him. Christ is the creator. God is the creator, but Christ is the agent. The Father is the source, and the word is the creator. And it's kind of an almost interesting play on words. Uh, The world was created by words. God spoke uh, all things into existence by saying something. And the Word is the one who spoke the words. First Corinthians 8, 6 says, Yet for us there is one God, the Father of whom are all things. And we for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we live. And perhaps uh, one of the clearest uh, statements of this is in Colossians 1. Uh, 16 and 17, which says, For by him all things were created. All things were created through him and for him, and in him all things consist. I believe it's the King James, meaning through Jesus all things are held together as if if Christ if the word died, now I, all of a sudden I realize I have a problem. I was going to say that if the word died, then the world might fly apart. And uh, perhaps, 
perhaps that's what all the uh, earthquakes and whatever was going on at the death of Christ was about a partial expression of that. Through Christ, Christ is the agent and and uh, he is the one who holds the world together. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. And we have in Hebrews 1, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things through him, through whom also he made the world. So then we have the word in relation to humans. God became a baby. We call this the incarnation. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, The word, I think in the King, King James says, and the word became flesh. But the idea is that in the first several verses, the Word was with God, was God, and then we get to verse 14, the Word became flesh. It's a continuation of the creative uh, acts of God. Creation of the world and then the creation of the baby. The Word was made flesh. Uh, The idea became flesh. Uh, Became does not mean that the Word ceased uh, to be God, or that's when the Word came into existence. The Word had been God, and now the Word also became man, flesh, in flesh, is the idea. The word became in flesh, became human. Um, so several thoughts here. The, the word did not assume, assume humanity as something that could be laid aside but became humanity. The Word became human, subject to all the conditions of what it means to be human. And I was thinking, uh, maybe this morning, and I didn't resolve this in my mind, I was thinking to myself, wondering, I wonder if uh, Jesus ever got sick. Uh, I wonder if he ever had a virus, uh, had a fever had a stomach ache. So you can help answer that after I sit down. If you care to. Became human, fully human. The word did not assume humanity, became, but became humanity. 
became human subject to all the conditions of human existence. And at the same time, it must be said that the Word did not cease to be God, did not cease to be who he was prior to becoming human. And it also has to be said that the Word, Jesus, as a human, was not two people, uh, separate people. He was a unified person, divine and human. And how the human and divine were united in Jesus to form a unified personality is a mystery. And uh, if you care to, you can read whatever people have written, called theological works, doctrinal statements, whatever, about how this happened. Uh, I, I, uh, I uh, wish you well in reading that. I've read things like that. It's very hard reading. I wasn't sure what I had read afterwards. It's a mystery, but this is what Scripture teaches. Now, this is kind of a side note. First John 4, 2 to 3 and 2 John 7 say that anyone who does, not, who does not affirm that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God and is not a believer. And that, of course, is a strong statement. So another way to say this is that a person cannot deny that Jesus Christ has come as a human and be a believer. And of course we have Philippians 2, uh, 6, 6 through 8, which talks about Jesus uh, having been in the form of God and coming in the form of a servant. And this is talking about the Incarnation. Uh, emptying himself, uh, giving up the place, position, glory of heaven, and coming to earth for humans. And I don't, I don't know if we... Uh, I'm not sure how good we are at understanding the laws that the eternal word experience in emptying himself or giving up his place uh, with God in order to come to earth to live among people in order to reveal who God is uh, to humans as a person like them and in order to die, uh, I, I realize I'm, I'm speaking a little bit haltingly. Uh, I'm trying to choose my words carefully. I don't know that we can uh, grasp the loss that would be have been to Jesus, to the Word. Maybe even uh, the shock. To realize that I was this and now I'm this, uh, I don't know. I don't know what he experienced. But uh, prior to coming to earth, Christ was subs 
existing in the form of God. Uh, he was possessing and expressing the glory and majesty that equality with God gave him. And he did not view that as something to be grasped, held on to, but uh, opened his hands, as it were, and let it go. And then, of course, became obedient unto death is the Colossians, uh, the Philippians 2 statement. And then after all of that was over, we, we see there that God has raised him up and elevated him to his former place. Christ came down from the height of power and splendor to the abyss of weakness and lowliness proper to a slave. And herein is revealed the inner nature of the Redeemer who is both above history and yet also in history. Then we have the historical life of the incarnate Word. He dwelt among us. And the word dwelt is the word uh, tabernacle or tented. Uh, I'm not sure what all that means. He pitched, pitched his tent. Uh, maybe that's a way to say it. He pitched his tent among us. Uh, in our midst, for all to see. A human, like all humans, to tabernacle, tent. Someone who could be seen and heard and known as a person. Uh, this, these kind of verses could uh, almost make me wish that I could have been there and seen him. Of course, maybe we'd rather live now than then. But what would that have been like? And, of course, the question could be, and what would we have done with him? Who would he have seemed to us to be? What would we have done with him? And, of course, that's the question today. What do we do with him? And so the apostolic witness, the personal witness, they beheld his glory. Would we have beheld his glory? The words tenting in their presence allowed them to observe and experience the glory of the Father as it was expressed in the person and life of Jesus. First uh, John 1 expresses the same thought that we have heard and seen, our eyes have looked upon and our hands have handled the word of life. The only begotten of the Father. And uh, <clears throat> there have been times when I wish that term was not forgive me, but not in the Scripture because I think it can be somewhat misleading. The term is not saying something about how Jesus became the Word or Son or human. 
like born. Uh, the term only begotten is saying something about who the Son is in his person, like the, the only one, unique one, Son. And the character of, character of the incarnate word is full of grace and truth. And maybe those two words are intended to uh, capture everything that Jesus is in relation to uh, redemption, grace and truth. Uh, grace speaks of the love of God, the, the love, and uh, perhaps even redemption that the word embodies and truth speaks of revelation and life and, and reality that the word brings. Uh, I feel like I'm talking uh, about mysteries. Hard to explain. So here are some uh, summary comments, perhaps lessons things I think about. Uh, the Lord's humanity was complete, fully human. The Lord's humanity was real and permanent. Uh, sometimes I wonder, um, I wonder if other people think about things that I think about or think about things the way I think about them. Uh, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe partly we don't know. I don't know because maybe we're careful about what we say if we think it might sound strange. So uh, when I said the Lord's humanity was real and permanent, my, my thought was as I said it, oh, that probably means that Christ is still in heaven, who he was on earth. The Lord's human and divine natures remained without change. The Lord's humanity was universal, as in uh, not for a particular group of people or race or for a particular time, universal. Uh, for all people, uh, and I want to say male and female. The Lord's human and divine natures were united in one person, one united person. The Word did not acquire personality by the incarnation. The Word was personality before and afterward. The Word dwells in believers today by the power of the Holy Spirit, full of grace and truth, revealing the Father to us. When the Word became flesh, the Word did not subsume, I don't know what word to use, the Word did not subsume or absorb the Father or Holy Spirit into his person. There were still three persons of the Trinity. 
The word did not become the only person or expression of God when, when, when the word became incarnate. Or because God exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I think I'd like to close by, if you would allow me. <laughs> I would like to read uh, what Paul Harvey said. This is in 1965. It's called The Parable of the Birds. Maybe it'll help a little bit with the mystery. Um, these are his words. The Christmas story, the way it's usually told, God, born a man, in a manger, and all of that escapes. I'm sorry. I can't I can't read it the way Paul Harvey talks. All of that escapes some modernists, mostly, I think, because they seek complex answers to their questions. And this one is so utterly simple. So for the cynics and the skeptics and the unconvinced, I'd like to submit this modern parable. The man I'm talking about was not a Scrooge. He was a kind, a decent, a mostly good man, generous to his family, and upright in his dealings with other men. But he just did not believe in all of that incarnation stuff, which the churches proclaim at Christmas time. It just did not make sense, and he was too honest to pretend otherwise. He could not swallow the Jesus story about God coming to earth as a man. He told his wife, I'm truly sorry to distress you, but I'm just not going with you to church this Christmas Eve. He said he'd feel like a hypocrite, that he'd much rather just stay home, but that he would wait for them. So he stayed, and they went to the midnight service. Now, shortly after the family drove away in the car, snow began to fall. He went to the window to watch the flurries getting heavier and heavier. Then he went back to his fireside chair and began to read the newspaper. Minutes later, he was startled by a thudding sound, and then another, and then yet another. At first, he thought somebody must be throwing snowballs against the living room window, but when he went to the front door to investigate, he found a flock of birds huddled out there miserably in the snow. They had been caught in the snow in a desperate search for shelter. They had tried to fly through his large landscape window, looking for safety, protection. That was what had been making the sound. Well, he couldn't let those poor creatures just lie there and freeze, so he remembered the barn where his children stabled their ponies. That would provide a warm shelter. All he would have to do is direct the birds into that shelter. Quickly, he put on a coat and galoshes, and he trampled, he tramped through the deepening snow to the barn, and he opened the doors wide, and inside the barn, he turned on a light so the birds would know the way in. So he figured that food would entice them, or they did not come in. So he figured food would entice them, and he went back into the house and 
fetched breadcrumbs and sprinkled those on the snow, making a trail of breadcrumbs to the yellow light of the wide-open doorway of the stable. But to his dismay, the birds ignored the breadcrumbs. The birds just continued to flock around helplessly in the snow. He tried catching them. He could not. He tried shooing them into the barn by walking around them, waving his arms. But instead, they scattered in every direction. Every direction except the warm, lighted barn. And that's when he realized that they were afraid of him. They were afraid of him. To them, he reasoned, I'm a strange, terrifying creature. If only I could think of some way to let them know that they can trust me, that I'm not trying to hurt them, but to help them. But how? Any move he made tended to frighten them and confuse them. They would just not follow. They would not be led or shoot because they feared him. And he thought to himself, if only I could be a bird now, I could be a bird and mingle with them and speak their language and tell them not to be afraid. Then I could show them the way to the safe, warm farm. But I would have to be one of them, wouldn't I, so they could see and hear and understand. At that moment, the church bells began to ring, and a song reached his ears. And uh, Darren Swift, and he sank to his knees in the snow uh, in realization worship why Jesus would come as a baby. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you have been the Word from eternity and come into our world as uh, the revelation of the Father and as our Redeemer. And we acknowledge the mystery of your, of your birth. And we struggle to understand uh, the mystery and the meaning And uh, I pray, Lord, that you would apply this truth of of God becoming human to redeem us. Uh, Bless each of us, Lord, with your presence and your work in our hearts and and accomplish your good purposes through this uh, Christmas season and the story of of God becoming a baby. Amen.